episode 166 of Friends of Film, where you bring the latest movie news and review the biggest new release, which this week is Triple Frontier. As always, I'm your host, Kurt Bird, and this week I'm joined by Josh Straley. Hello, everybody. It's me. I am back again. And I need to complain about something real quick. Uh-oh. The show, what I do? No, not you. <laughs> it's uh, it's Barry, the show on HBO uh-huh. with Bill Hader. Yes. It's so good. Mm-hmm. And no one has talked about it. I haven't seen it. It's, I mean, it's, I just feel like it's been criminally under-discussed in so many different ways and angles. And it makes me mad. I feel like it was, it did well, like, with Emmys and stuff. It did, Henry, it gave Henry Winkler his first Emmy. Okay. Which is well-deserved. But still, I feel like in the shadow of Game of Thrones... It's just being like it, the, the the trailer for the new season came up and no one's like, eh, all right, whatever. And I love prestige TV and no one, not even like a peep. And that's so disappointing. Is it currently back for season two? March 20... March 31st. 31st. Thank you. So that, that's probably why. I mean, all the talk will pick back up once it premieres in two weeks. And then it has something like really incisive. And to... then it'll... Kind of fall back off once Game of Thrones. As soon as Game of Thrones starts, and then people come out, and then yeah, it'll just get lost in everything. Because it's on Sunday nights, so does it go head to head Mm -hmm. with Game of Thrones? It won't go head to head. It goes afterwards because it's also HBO. Yeah, it'll be the it'll be the. um, Hey, you just watched all these characters die. Watch Barry for a second. Here's a funny (laughs) thing. Yeah, about a hitman in L.A. Right. Gotcha. Um, But hey, if you are looking for um, things on the internet, Mm -hmm. if you're looking for for the friends in film. Uh, tweets and thoughts about all of these things, you can find them on Twitter at Friends and Film, like I said. But if you're looking for other shows and reviews about movies and questions that we ask from time to time, you can get those on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify. And if you can, please rate us on Apple Podcasts um, and review us. That'll ultimately help rank us, and then we can find more friends of the show. That's right. And before we get into the big Netflix release that they out this week uh we have also seen other things we've watched other stuff this mm-hmm. week other than i'm assuming you've been re-watching barry and maybe that's why you've suddenly I, have this rage yes, about it I but did. is there anything else you've also been watching there is i took a um i did my first watch of the hurt locker oh Catherine bigelow's 2008 mm-hmm. um iraq war movie about a bomb squad detonation squad and everything like that and it is really good yeah one of my favorite things about Catherine bigelow that she does is she really makes it feel like it's found footage in a lot of ways but it's precisely executed and staged and everything like that so it feels it feels way more real mm-hmm. than any other kind of movie does um like i'm thinking the black hawk down mm-hmm. like immaculately staged well done all the way through but it still feels like a war film right rather than what you kind of get from Saving Private Ryan mm-hmm. or uh, The Hurt Locker. It just feels visceral. And I thoroughly enjoyed the heck out of it. It was weird seeing Jeremy Renner so young. Right. It's the first time I've saw him, seen him, like the first movie of his I've seen that far back. Okay. So that would threw me off. Um, but of course, Guy Pierce, who I'm like, oh, I'm so happy he's in this movie. Nope, nope. Wrong, <laughs> wrong thought. Wrong thought. But really good. Do you um, agree that it's a Best Picture winner I caliber film? Do yes, okay, I do think so. It's fantastic. I mean, like at the moment, I probably wouldn't have been like, eh, not this movie, <laughs> but in the like in the the hubbub of two thousand eight, and then what the Hook Locker gets to, 
Yeah, I can see it. Yeah. Uh, I did not watch something that was prestigious this week. Instead, I went to theaters and saw Captive State, the new alien invasion thriller movie directed by Rupert Wyatt, who is probably best known for directing the first installment of the recent Planet of the Apes uh, trilogy, Rise of the Planet of the Apes. And even though I really love that first movie, uh, this is a pretty big fall off from what Rupert Wyatt has shown before and his ability to handle characters and story and also infuse them all with heart and make sure that you are really caring about who you're following in this narrative because Captain State has none of that. It has characters who you don't get to know anything about. It has events that are just kind of just borderline glanced over here's the basic information but there's no deeper discussion going on and he tries to you know combine all these different aspects together and it just really makes for a kind of muddled mess of a story Mm -hmm. that's also kind of boring uh i was like i saw this movie at a seven o'clock showing and i almost i was almost falling asleep like not gonna lie like i I nodded i my head literally fell and i had to go wait what happened and so i had to eat like a half bucket full of popcorn just to like entertain myself and (laughs) keep engaged but otherwise yeah it's pretty forgettable uh the ending doesn't really come together and i mean even though ashton saunders and john goodman star in the movie they're both fine Mm -hmm. but you just don't know anything about these characters until like the very end it's like why are you it? Why are you here? What are your motivations? What are the aliens' motivations? Why do people love that they have now taken over the world? It's just all these questions that are raised and that doesn't touch on anything. So it's a pretty disappointing effort. So no interesting points or like mythologies or anything like that that they like poke at. Uh, no, I mean there's like some parallels that like you that could have been made, but it's mm-hmm. like it doesn't even think to discuss anything about how like government oversight compares to the alien overlords that they're doing the same thing, attracting people with like things in their neck and how the government can track us with technology. And there's all these parallels going on here that it doesn't really discuss. And the Verifarmiga's in there for who knows why a paycheck, I guess she's completely wasted. Um, yeah, oh, that's disappointing. It's, it's pretty frustrating. I mean, the aliens, they're like an interesting, cool design, but again, mm-hmm. you don't know anything about them. So it's like, why do I care? Right. There's no. Oh, well, that's disappointing, especially when it's like no, look like a draw, like a really good like sci-fi political thriller. Right. Like that's the, gone. Yeah. Like there's the 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 package is there for Captive State to be a fantastic movie, mm-hmm. like a District Nine level. This is like a completely different take on the alien invasion genre, and instead it's just like nah, like we're just gonna show like we're gonna we, to competently do this but nothing that's going to blow you out of the water yeah. uh, in, in any aspect. Oh, that's disappointing. But uh, instead of reviewing Captive State this week, uh, we are going to review Triple Frontier. Josh, you are writing a review for the site that will be found on friendsandfilm.wordpress.com later this weekend. Um, hopefully by the time you guys hear this, it is up already. But what did you think of this Netflix uh, war ensemble film. That's that's a great question. Well, thank you for asking it too. Um, but I thought Triple Frontier was a is a great forty five minute Hulk out bro down action movie worthy of um, Catherine Bigelow's name being plastered across mm-hmm. the marketing and uh, J C Shantor's. Right? No, it doesn't just end there. <laughs> and J C Shantor's. Um, uh, high drama chops Mm -hmm. but then things just tumble and cascade into i I mean i don't want to say just basically a 
an hour and 15 minute slog through nothing important or vital um, when it could have been. And by the time you get to the end of it, you've you witnessed basically a really boring movie. And, yeah. and that, that's the only way to describe it. It's great for 45 minutes. So much so I'm like, how, I mean, this is good. I can't believe it. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it, 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 it ramps up so quickly and burns out of fuel. And then it just falls right back to earth and explodes on itself. Yeah. Um, in so many ways. And, but first and foremost, the ensemble that they put together, um, Charlie Hunnam, Ben Affleck, Pedro Pascal, and Garrett Hundland, along with their team leader and the, my, my favorite who does like, who just really desperately wants to get everyone else around him acting on his level, Oscar Isaac. They're a tremendous group together. The first 30 minutes or so are them kind of catching up, being bros, being friends and being long walks army buddies. And all of that is really convincing and good. You could have done another 90 minutes of just them back in the home, you know, back home dealing with their past. And I would have been here for it. I think they could have made that compelling. Um, but instead they ramp up, they do the big heist that is advertised. It's excellent. It's great in all sorts of ways. And then with the last hour, they play all of these actors off each other, but not in any way that's, you know, impactful Ben Affleck and Oscar Isaac dig at each other. And that's interesting for five minutes. And then everything else is just walking and hiking. Now the walking and hiking across the Andes is beautiful. It's gorgeous. Like this movie, this movie is expertly made in in every way. Not a bad shot to be found. Technically. Technically. Absolutely. Um, The action is precise and really cool. But the problem is there's, three instances of it and then that's it that's really all they've got um other than a couple like explosions and crashes and just a bunch of a bunch of jumbling things like that that you're like all right that's that's all you got it's clearly cg it doesn't look like there's anything you know cool going on here (laughs) um and that really just it just runs out of gas and you can just clearly see it flailing and it hurts because you like all of these people in this movie and it throws some twists at you, some things that you didn't even think would ever happen just by contract for these people. (laughs) And then it gets to the end. And when you're like, Oh, maybe they've learned something they haven't. And the movie's message, which could have gone so many ways, just gets mired up in like, well, this also has to be a action movie that caters to a wide audience because it's going on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And so those elements just drag down what could have been something interesting, but instead becomes just a journey across South America to get home with duffel bags and duffel bags of money. Mm-hmm. And so I can only give it two and a half out of three ticket stubs. Two and a half. Oh, we're or two and a half out of five. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you. We totally changed our scale. I was thinking about three ticket stubs, oh, okay. but I now that I really just just get it out there and talk about it. You got to go two and a half. I've got to go two and a half. I am basically I'm right there with you. Basically mm-hmm. everything you said, I would completely agree with. Um, I think the the charm of this movie unsurprisingly comes with Oscar Isaac, just like how he made what was that Suburbicon, that terrible Matt Damon movie from mm-hmm. two years ago that was just atrocious. But then Oscar Isaac came in. And he's like, Oh, he's so good. Like, I love this part. And then the 
he left and is like, oh, I hate this movie again. Right. He, yeah. He, this is not the same case because Oscar Isaac is here the entire way through. And right from the start, you're just like, man, Oscar Isaac is legit movie star. Mm-hmm. Like, put him, make him the next Indiana Jones, make him, like, give him his own franchise. Like, yes, he's greatest Poe Dameron in the Star Wars franchise, and he is really doing it all here. But, like, he just needs his vehicle to just, like, shine and just make billions of dollars for some random studio, whoever wants to give him this chance. Because he can do it. He has the talent, he has the charisma, he's got the action ability, and he shows it all here. And he really starts off this movie with a bang. And it's just like, yes, I'm here. I'm here for this. We're on mission with his character. And then it's like, all right, but now we have something else going on. We got to go take down this drug lord, and we're going to try to steal his money. It's like, okay, interesting. I like, I like this angle. He gets his buddies involved. And just like you said, the chemistry between them all is instantaneous. It's like, yes, I believe that these guys have been friends for a decade, two decades. I don't think it doesn't specify how long they've been, like they've known each other. But like you believe that these are brothers in a sense that's like these guys have been through the ringer and they are here and they're they're happy to be back together. And they play off each other so well. Um, I love that Garrett Hedlund has this like strange joy about the whole situation that's going on. That's like... I found like comedic and I was like, I don't know if it's supposed to be this way, but I just like, I liked that aspect. Cause everybody else is taking it pretty seriously, especially Oscar Isaac and Ben Affleck. And then Helen just like, okay, cool. Like, let's go do this thing. Mm-hmm. Like I just, I liked like, there's a different dynamic that like is in play here with the group. And like you said, that first 45 minutes, all the way until the heist gets done. I'm like, this movie is like shaping up like one of my favorites team survival army sort of movies lone survivor i was like this is like going up the same way this is going to be great Mm -hmm. and instead of like maintaining tension and keeping the thrills and keeping the action and the intrigue and also growing the characters letting you learn more about them once that once they leave the drug dealer's house it's just like we don't care and i didn't care and that's where i lost basically complete interest in the movie Mm -hmm. so it was just like, okay, yeah, like the action was good to start. The heist was well executed and thrilling. And it was fun to see them show why they're like this like legit special ops, you know, combat team. Right. But then they just keep making these strange character decisions as the plot goes on. They're just like you said, walking through the wilderness. And yeah, it looks great, but I just don't care about what's actually happening. Mm-hmm. So that made it really hard for me to maintain interest and for any for any movie, but especially a Netflix movie, when you're just watching at home, there's tens of thousands more distractions for me when I watch a Netflix movie than if I see it in a theater. Of course. And so I start, you know, checking my phone every now and then, looking what's happening on Twitter, seeing if there's any news breaking that I want to write about or anything. And I'm just like, oh, wait, what's happening? Oh, okay, interesting. And But then I was like, wait, this just doesn't, like, there's no momentum anymore. And I really felt like they should have, like, the, the, the first 45 is great. The first act and a half. And then after that, like they should have found some other way to try to conclude this and get the, mm-hmm. the confrontation that they wanted, but also the resolution that they ultimately decided with. So I agree with your rating. I agree with everything you said. Two and a half ticket stubs out of five. We will move into spoiler territory yeah. on Triple Frontier. Uh, is there anything particular that you want to start off with? Um, well, the, the spoiler the spoiler of all spoilers mm-hmm. is that Ben Affleck's character, Redfly, gets gunned down at the end of the second act, I guess. Yeah. End, yeah. Of, the, end of the third act, if you're going with a four-act <laughs> film. And 
I did not see that coming. I didn't think there would ever be a movie that existed where Ben Affleck is killed mm-hmm. on screen in such a like a less than like gratuitous way too. It's just like a little kid climbs up the, a kid from the village that has tracked them, um, takes a, one shot at his head and he's down, mm-hmm. and then like that's it. And that, yeah, I, I mean, was like, "What?" It is. It is pretty surprising because, especially, the market and everything, unsurprisingly, kind of pushes like this is Ben Affleck's movie, which mm-hmm. is again when it starts with Oscar Isaac and he's the catalyst for the whole mission. I was like, "Oh, I like this movie a lot more." Right. Uh, nothing against Ben Affleck, but I was just I wasn't expecting an Oscar Isaac led mm-hmm. heist, you know, drug movie, and right. that's what I was getting. And I think Affleck did a really good job in his supporting role. Yeah, I didn't see the shot in the head coming, um, but it was also one of those moments where I was like, oh, there, was, there wasn't any impact to it. Like, I didn't, I didn't feel the loss of one of their best buds. I didn't feel the 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 urgency that would come after this of, all right, we got, we got the gunman down, but, like, there's obviously threats coming for us. Mm-hmm. We need to speed this up right and instead there's like all right let's just like keep making our way to the to the waters and then we'll get out of here yeah and and then like that's the thing like this there's it does not latch on to anything any of the emotional cords that that they have you know to, to play with they do nothing with it they're just like all right we'll keep moving down to the water and then we'll have one i mean they have a brief like heart to heart moment around the bags and around the fireplaces yeah and that's it like it never moves any further past that Mm -hmm. and the most that they can muster to it on the very end is oscar isaac shoots the tires out of the people who are chasing them's trucks right rather than just fire back at them Mm -hmm. and so it's like oh he learned his lesson not to kill people it's like yeah, okay, it's like, oh, that was his lesson? We, that mean that like, like the implication. Right. Like he couldn't kill anymore. He's done with it or whatever the case is. But earlier in the film, when it go, all goes bad for them and for the movie in total, their greed and bloodlust like make them stay at the house, the compound, longer mm-hmm. than they had expected because they just they found more than $75 million. Right, and then Affleck's like, well, I built in a 15-minute cushion, so we'll be fine. Right, so they end up collecting $250 million, triple what they had thought. The helicopter can't take the weight. Mm-hmm. They go crashing down into the Andes. And when they crash, they're visited by, um, or they're surrounded by, basically, not surrounded, they just, the villagers find their money, yeah. and they're like, like oh, what, what is this? What dropped out of the sky? Yeah, exactly. They're asking, like, the team who just crawled out from a helicopter, like, who are you with? What's up? Mm-hmm. And then Ben Affleck, thinking that they're going to attack him, like, shoots him down. Or he shoots, he takes two, he shoots one person. Uh, two. I think it's two. Because yeah. he, I'm try, yeah, I'm trying to remember. Because he shoots the one guy who looks mm-hmm. like he's about to pull something on him. Right. And then I think he goes for another, and then some of the other guys start firing at other villagers. Yeah, Oscar, Z- Oscar Isaac steps in there as well, and it just becomes a total disaster. Yeah. And you think that there should be some tension back between him and Isaac, and there is for at least, you know, one scene. Right. And then they apologize to They're each like, other. Oh, I'm sorry, I overreacted. Yeah, there's a di- there's a split between both of them, those characters. One who's there because he's just trying to do good for his family or mm-hmm. for the country, because Loria is this drug lord who's from all of Colombia or you right. know, over Colombia, if you will. And Aflac is just there for the money. And like you could run those two people parallel and pit them against each other, but they only do it once. And you're thinking, what's the point of all of this? Right. Oscar Isaac got what he wanted. 
Affleck's character didn't. Mm-hmm. And they ended up abandoning the money and then making their way down the mountains. And you're just like, okay, well, they've given up on everything, obviously, because it's more important to get the, um, Redfly's body home to his family. And then, I don't know, it just, it really doesn't do anything with the pieces it has. No. And even like uh, when like the heist kind of goes longer than what they anticipate, there's other complications when the guard shows up and yep. they have to take those guys down, burn the whole house down instead of, uh, I think they're just going to leave it at mm-hmm. one point and make it look like a, a local you know gang did this instead of you know professionals basically. Right. And Garrett Hedlund kind of freaks out because he, uh, He's just like like that that that's not how we do this. Like we are better than this. Mm-hmm. And then like you mentioned, like nothing happens with that. Like that storyline goes completely wasted. Like there's no tension between him and the rest of the team guys. Like guys, I know I'm the young guy here, but like we messed up. We screwed up. Like we can't let this happen again. And like mm-hmm. have him be all of a sudden the uh the 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 decision maker of the group and figuring out okay guys listen our helicopter is flying over the last peak of the mountain we're not going to make it we are burning we're going to destroy this helicopter we try to get over right let's cut some weight and he doesn't do that they do cut some weight but then like they only throw over a couple of duffel bags like all right that'll be good and it's Mm -hmm. like throw over more like you know it's not going to be enough like, why are you risking this for, I know it's millions and millions of dollars, but, you know, taking home $200 million instead of 250 it's a lot. Yeah. But also, 200 is a lot better than, like, the couple million that they ended up making it out with. Right. Which is why, like, their ultimate turn of when, like, they're freezing around um, each other and they're like, oh, it's just too cold. And then Garrett Hedlund starts burning money. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, that's kind of funny, I guess, because, like, you went through all this trouble to get it. But then they just dump a whole bag there and use that. And then, but they're still like, no, but we can't get rid of the rest of it because like we need it. Mm-hmm. Like we have, we came all this way. We have to take it back. And it's just like, they're making all these random decisions to like, at some points cut the money, but they don't ever make the big decision. Like, all right, like let's stow it all away here in the crevice of the mountain. Like they do some of mm-hmm. it. Let's throw it all down there. Except for like one bag, make it all the way to the boat because then they're like, Oh, we're five days late. I was like, what? Yeah. It's been five days? Like, that is not uh, made clear at all that, like, it's taken them this long mm-hmm. to get from the crash site to now the middle of the mountain. I'm just like, oh, this is like a day. They're like, no, we're five days late. I was like, what? Right, yeah. <laughs> what have you guys been doing? And a lot of that is just them literally passing bags to each other, like, finding creative ways to move just this, like, you know, these kilos and kilos and pounds and pounds of money. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, there has to be something more interesting to do here. Like, yeah. I, can't believe you wouldn't just like have them stash the money and then like if you're an action movie Mm -hmm. just have them stash and then go have them fight their way through but instead they go this route where they're like okay well we need to have character development and this and cut loose this idea of ends justify the means right but rather than you know rather than engage when they set those things up those places up those points up they're just like eh, nope fade to black next day here's some action Mm -hmm. and then here's them getting home free you know? Yeah. And it was, it was really, I mean, not infuriating, but it's just like, it was, it was baffling yeah. why they would go to all this trouble and then be like, nah, we'd rather not go that route. And, and then so, they ultimately just decide to all, to every single one of them, which it's somewhat honorable was also, it's like, wait, what? Like to give all of their money to Affleck's character's family and their right. trust fund. And I was like, I get it. Like he lost his life in this whole thing. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like, I don't feel like that totally lines up with 
all the decisions the characters are making throughout the film. I guess they were very close, and, but like they were also very selfish and like, no, we need our money. We came all this way. We're taking our money with us. So then for them to make it there back and then give it all away, I was like, I don't totally buy that. I, guess. Yeah, I mean, I was like, I'm glad, I was glad they did it, of course, obviously. Right. And then um, as they walk out, Hunnam hands Oscar Isaac's character like the, basically the GPS coordinates of where that crevice was. Right. And so you're like, okay, well, they're not being totally. Yeah, um, but it's just like, I mean, that's just set up for a sequel that we're probably not going to get. I have no idea. I mean, I, mean, I have no idea. Netflix hasn't done a sequel yet, so like. No, but I also, I don't know. I, I can't really imagine like them being able to get J.C. Candor, Isaac, Hunnam, Pascal, Headland, um, get mm-hmm. all those people back, plus like some other probably like decent name for like the villain or wh- whatever that would be. Like what's the, what's the, what's the mission? Just fly back to the crevice, get the money and then leave. Like yeah, that's, that's, not that's, that's anticlimactic unless it's like, Oh, the, right. the money's gone. Oh, of course. Mm-hmm. Now like you have to go invade some village to like get it. And then like raise the question of, well, like should we like go and like kill all these people who found our money right. or just like cut our losses? Yeah. It's just like, I don't know where we would go. And yeah, I got to imagine that, that won't materialize at all it's just sort of like a oh now it's it's sort of just kind of like uh it's giving back to isaac so he's gonna like turn around and just go do the same thing again he like literally learned nothing Mm -hmm. and so that's the end yeah and i mean you could i mean like in my review i'm gonna make a little bit of a i've made like a little bit of a joke about it being an allegory for ben affleck's career (laughs) once on top of the world um, so, but he has to be coerced into you uh-huh. know, back into service after falling apart with, you know, the Batman stuff. And right. Live by night, of course, not doing so well. I do like this, like this, not this, I like this post Batman Affleck though. Like this, mm-hmm. the, the grizzled like dad who's like divorced or being yep. on the verge He's of being separated yep. and, um, which I mean, is maybe a little too close to like the real life stuff, but he's, but then like parallels are creepy, but then his next creepy. movie that he's doing with uh, Gavin O'Connor is about a NBA player who, um, is an alcoholic. And then there's something there. I was like, that's just like very close to Affleck's true story as well. So like, mm-hmm. it's interesting that he's channeling all of these real life aspects with his character or that's totally coincidental. <laughs> I don't believe that's the case. Um, there's a really great, uh, episode of the podcast by the ringer uh they the big picture the big picture they did a retrospective of ben affleck's career as they were as i wrote that down um after my first thing i saw their pod about my like his career and i was like in in relationship to this Uh and i was like huh i wonder what the dynamic i wonder if they like even make these connections or something like that it's a really it's a really good listen uh so if you if you enjoyed triple frontier just wanted to kind of take a look back on ben affleck's career uh, hit, I would recommend it. And Ben Affleck's Three Frontiers are obviously acting, writing, and directing. <laughs> right. right? <laughs> okay. Obviously. Uh, I do want to mention here before we... I think we're pretty much done. Yeah, with, I've got uh, I did find it very humorous. It was completely unintentional. Mm-hmm. The, there's a line where they're talking about all the money they're going to get. And they, I don't remember who says that, but one of them says to Affleck, you'll be able to send your kid to Harvard with all this money. <laughs> and <laughs> that line dropping with all the bizarre... Um, you know, scandals about mm-hmm. paying to get into Harvard and these Ivy League schools and stuff that happened this yes. past week. I was like, wow, <laughs> the timing of this was incredible. Uh, so I really appreciated that uh, just really random moment that this movie had. That's right. Oh, and then uh, Garrett Hedlund's like despres- desperation for a Bugatti or a Ferrari yeah. as well. It comes up a few times. So it was kind of made me like kind of laugh at that. Yeah. So. 
But I mean, yeah, I mean, so this is on Netflix. It's easily available to anybody. Josh, mm-hmm. as we end this, will you ever watch Triple Frontier again? No. I'm, I'm, unless I want to watch the opening part where I imagine Oscar Isaac <laughs> is the star of Sicario or right. co-stars in Sicario 3. That'd be great. That would be terrific. Outside of that, no thanks. I mean, J.C. Candor directing uh, Sicario 3, I'd be on board for I that. I'd be on board as for that. As long as Taylor Sheridan still writes the script. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, more Oscar Isaac. Yeah, I'll, I'd maybe watch the first 45 again and then just end it after the heist is like successful and be like, all right, that was a cool episode of a random, that was a pilot of a, a miniseries that never got picked up. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where I'll leave it. <laughs> and I mean, Taylor Sheridan said he's already got Sicario 3 outlined. So we just somebody just need to pay him to write it. Somebody just needs to get Oscar Isaac in there. Um, but that is all we have for our review of Triple Frontier. It is again on Netflix right now. Go watch it. Uh, hopefully you have already if you listen to all of our spoiler thoughts. But again, we both give it two and a half ticket stubs out of five. We are back in a bit with the news. Three main topics this week kicking off with a very surprising, exciting, shocking, jaw-dropping first topic here. James Gunn is back at Marvel Studios for Guards Galaxy Volume 3. The report came from Deadline, who confirmed with Disney's reps and James Gunn's reps that he is coming back to direct and write Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 after Disney has reversed their decision to fire him as they did last summer over some tweets that resurfaced that some people believed uh, they, they did include inappropriate attempts at humor, but they were not, you know, actually, uh, they did not actually represent his beliefs and how he thinks, and they, he was going for shock humor at that point in his career. Instead, he's coming back to Marvel to direct Guardians of the Galaxy 3 after all this time. The decision was reportedly made months ago, which is interesting mm-hmm. to find out um, because that is in the same time period that he signed on to write and direct The Suicide Squad, the soft reboot that Warner Brothers and DC are planning. Um, and to top this all off, he is going to do both movies. He is not leaving Suicide Squad to jump back to Guardians 3. He is staying on DC's train, doing The Suicide Squad, which has a 2021 release date in August. And then after he's done with that movie... He will go back to Marvel Studios and do Volume 3, the final chapter of his trilogy. Josh, shocking news here. What was your reaction? I know uh, your reaction. I mean, just, I'm incredulous, honestly. Like, I did not think this would ever, I'm stoked, I'm glad. This is the best news ever. Obviously, my taunts and withering criticism at Alan Horn, um, paid off it worked he realized what a hack he was being and you know threw in the towel and well i can't believe it's been almost a year yeah it hasn't been almost it's been like like nine months right which feels like this happened like september and it feels like it just Mm -hmm. happened because that's how fresh it is in my mind in a lot of ways and to see this happening is so cool because I knew that, I mean, I don't know, like, in my head, I knew that, like, you're never going to get a Guardians of the Galaxy movie without James Gunn done right. 
Yeah. Like Taika Waititi was our closest dude. That we're like, he was like, heck no, I'm not doing that. Yeah, exactly. And his tweet yeah. about like, wait, I can't do it now. <laughs> right. was perfect because he would just been like hammered with like questions yes. about it all the time. And I don't know, just to see this come back around. And, and like I said, when this happened or and then re like, and then readjusted afterwards, I knew that he, it was bad. We all knew it was bad faith criticism and that he was going to be fine. Disney just made it, made a mistake. They overreacted. They overreacted. But Acted they too quickly. Right. But they weren't going to like backtrack for dumb corporate reasons, mm-hmm. power and all that right. jazz. I mean, that's what Alan Horn said. Like him and Bob Iger's like, yeah, we stand by this decision. Mm-hmm. We're not reversing it. This is final. It's yeah. not. <laughs> that's, and, 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 and now it's not. And that's so cool to see that they were like, oh, you know what? That was bad faith criticism. Mm-hmm. Nothing really there. We're done. Or we're not done, but we're like, all right, and we can't really move this movie forward. It would cost way too much to get him off the project anyway. Right. And so it's, and now that he's doing other films or, you know, he's getting another movie under his belt before mm-hmm. he comes back to Disney, it'll be so far away. And anyone who has even like a, anyone who remembers this initial, you know, dust up. Right. He's going to be have, have forgotten it already. And, I don't know about that. Yeah, well, I mean, other than like what one guy on Twitter who's I, like, well, I just feel like this will be like the narrative sort of around this movie. It's like, wow, incredible. James, like James Gunn's back after being fired, even though he maybe probably shouldn't have been fired in the first place. Mm, per, oh, I think it'll be a small part of the story, but the thing, the thing, the thing it is like about the Suicide Squad film and then the Guardians of the Galaxy three movie is mm-hmm. all of that will come out for the press junket for suicide squad yeah you're back on guardians of the galaxy 3 <laughs> literally his as he does press for that movie he will be asked thousands and thousands of questions about his upcoming work on a competing superhero team-up project <laughs> right and it literally couldn't get any better like it's going to be free press they're going to get the bad stuff out here now mm-hmm. and then all of the, the shining and like welcome back you're finishing your trilogy for Guardians of the Galaxy 3. I don't think it could have worked out any better. I mean, it's, it's weird because I think now, after this whole fiasco, there's more excitement for Volume 3 now than there would have been if, like, nothing had happened. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, the tweets still resurfaced, but Disney's like, no, like we're standing by that these are decade-old tweets. Like, that's not indicative of who James Gunn is today. These are shock attempts at humor in the past. He's a changed man. He's different. He's, like, been great for us we're going to stand by him and keep him on as the director everybody like, okay great good job disney we move on and we just prepare for volume three to hit theater probably next may mm-hmm. um instead you know they fire him they go through this whole thing the thing that is most shocking to me isn't that james gunn was is back now uh even though that is very surprising but the the nugget of these reports that say that this decision was made months ago that like that disney never searched for a director um, and that this could have been done by like September or August of last year, which which is just kind of baffling to me because you think of all the the rhetoric and the conversation surrounding the decision, the fallout, everything that came after it. It's just like, wait, what? Like mm-hmm. Dave Batista was still upset. Cast members were still like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's 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 a weird situation to be in. You got the the executives saying like, yeah, like that's what happened. This is the decision. Like it's just it's so weird that this is like. If that is true, then they decided this like before the calendar turned that like it's been quiet for this long. 
And maybe that's just because like he was already being courted for the Suicide Squad by Warner Brothers, and he was mm-hmm. like, "I want to do this. Like, they're gonna give me a chance when Disney's not going to right now." And then Disney's like, "Well, no, actually, like, after like taking another look at this whole thing, we've realized we acted too quickly. Didn't look into everything mm-hmm. uh, surrounding the controversy, the the quote unquote controversy around the tweets, um, and now we want you back." And he's like, "Well, I was already in like final talks with them to do their thing." I feel like I should still do that. So maybe the delay in this announcement was just like, we have to figure out like what his schedule is going to be like, mm-hmm. because I'm sure under in a, in a perfect world, Marvel, Marvel studios would love for gun to have for this announcement to be made right now. And say in gun starting production at the end of this year. And it's like, okay, great. This movie's coming out 2021 thumbs up. This is going to be a great sign. And it's like, but I like, he's got another project. So, um, it, it's it's surprising. I f- I'm happy for James Gunn. Yeah. Uh, incredibly, because like now his re- not his, his reputation's restored. But it's just like it's just good to see like him get that second chance with Disney again. Yeah. After they were so quick to wipe their hands clean of his name, um, in the directorial front, even they're like, no, we're still gonna use the script because it's great, mm-hmm. <laughs> but we can't have him direct. Right. It doesn't make any sense. Um, but now that he's back. I love that he's going to be the first MCU director to finish a trilogy, to do a whole trilogy all on his own. Um, I'm excited to see what that means, what it, how the movie could possibly change now that it's coming like three years later than what was originally planned. Mm-hmm. The X-Men Fantastic Four characters will officially be part of the the roster that he can use. Will he add some of those in there now? Like there's so many, like the Eternals will be introduced. Like, well, how will that change what the cosmic side of the MCU looks like? Um, so I'm, I'm just really interested to see kind of how this all plays out now. Cause I feel like it, I feel like we'll still get largely the same volume three we're going to get. It'll be three years later, yeah. but I still think it also, maybe there'll be mentions of like, uh, I don't know, Galactus or silver surfer or like some other smaller Fox owned, you know, cosmic properties that could make this all really, really exciting. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, like one one million percent. Especially along those those lines, there too of like the world's only gonna get bigger. Like the playgrounds mm-hmm. only gonna get bigger for him to mess around with and make right. changes to going forward. Um, so like the sky is like his script and the potential for it to expand or encompass more is there. Um, and seeing, I don't know, just seeing it all come to fruition, especially because like he laid low understood mm-hmm. what was on what went on and yeah to to get have this be like his his turnaround moment is right. just great and also his tweet it was the first tweet um, since he apologized since he for apologized him, was like i understand the decision blah blah blah. right which is crazy in and of itself mm-hmm. like i didn't realize he hadn't tweeted like a single thing since then not that he needed to right the best the best lesson is to never tweet ever about but like, anything but like that's like kind of the the crazy not the craziest thing about it but like smart move by hit on his part yes. with like he very easily could have been like all right you know screw you disney uh yeah i'm gonna go to the suicide squad uh let's set up an interview with some publication and i'm just gonna just slam disney for the way they treated me give all the dirty secrets of my time there mm-hmm. and really expose them for like wh- whatever he thought they were going to be and said no he just stayed quiet he met with alan horn multiple times over the course of several months i was like listen like this is not who I am. Yeah. And that's the give thing. Give me another shot. And that's the thing too. Like, I think like that, how reactionary they were was upsetting. And I think I was reactionary like too. In I, th- our th- I think, I think machine. we, I think we both were. And like, in a lot of ways where like, it looks bad. And like, why would you joke about it? like, and, like all those things certainly. But then 
when you look at Gunn's body of work, and then specifically when I came back to the show, but with, after having read his profile, like where he's basically he he aired all of this out. Mm-hmm. He literally did everything that you could have done to apologize for like a past self, other right. than just take down the tweets right. or anything like that, you know. But that, then again, that's just like you know trying to like. Dump, pretend it never happened in and of itself and even then people like you can still dig up deleted tweets and all that of stuff anyway so if the yeah. people who were targeting him to get him fired they still would have found the information they're looking for regardless absolutely and then like when you just come around to it I mean like there's literally nothing else he could have done differently like when you've made terrible jokes in the past and mm-hmm. it's just so it's so it's refreshing to know that you don't have to worry like like there's a lot of like oh we can't do anything anymore type of like attitudes mm-hmm. and knowing that James Gunn like pro- like you know is getting that second chance even though he had already like come around to it but it's just like it's being it's validating <laughs> his his moves over his career yeah even though it, it shouldn't have had to have been done this way mm-hmm. but at the same time it's great that they came around on that right i think there's a few other things i want to get to on this subject before we move on mm-hmm. um, cuz there's a lot to get into Originally, before he was, before he got fired, you know, he was saying that Guardians Three set up the next ten to twenty years of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the Marvel Cosmic Universe, all that stuff. Um, I th- I think that will still somewhat be the case because I'm sure like there's things he was going to introduce that he's still going to introduce that will set up future movies for like an Adam Warlock or a Nova or Kazar or whoever. Um, but after this whole experience, like yes, he's happy to not be back and get to finish off his trilogy. But I, mm-hmm. before this, the, I had the belief that he was going to still stay on and be involved in MCU as an executive producer or be like the Kevin Feige of the cosmic side. After all of this has happened, do you think that this will be his final project with Marvel and that he'll move on or that he'll in like good faith and like after they've all come to terms and understand everything that they'll just put all this in the past and just move forward with what their original thinking was all in the past move forward with the original thinking or an expanded thinking based off of reworked ideas Mm -hmm. and things like that but yeah they're still moving forward with what they've got and i think it's one of the reasons he's still there right i mean one too expensive to fire him completely off the project two he's a genius or he's Mm -hmm. just he's great at what he does he was. He's been vital. He's been helpful to Kevin Feige in the future. And three. I mean, yeah. He he loves those characters and wants to be around him and help shape them for audiences to come. So of course. Yeah, I, I I'm not sure. Honestly, I don't know. I don't know what he will do because he's doing the Suicide Squad. Um, he produced the Brightburn movie that's coming out in May. That looks great. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I'm just not sure if now, like he'll want to. Not that he'll can't like trust disney or won't want to continue working with them um but i just wonder if now that he's like seen more i mean yes all of his other projects are still largely superhero related but i just wonder if maybe now that he'll move on to do some other things after the fact he'll be like no like i did my trilogy i'm the only mcu director to do that so far and now i'm gonna move on i could see that happening and then him still setting up the future but then he's just not as involved which kevin feige has kind of said recently it's like people kind of blew his you know role with the larger universe like out of proportion a little bit like he he wasn't like gonna mm-hmm. be the kevin feige of the cosmic side he was like yeah he was involved to a certain degree and we had conversations about it a lot but he wasn't going to be the architect of an entire corner of the mcu like that's just not what his role is going to be so i'm still not exactly sure what i like think his future is going to be with mcu beyond this or if there is, is any um but at the very least i'm just happy that he is back doing this movie now on the flip side the suicide squad 
mm-hmm. he's still attached to this i yes. think i think that's a nice move on his part um to stay with wb who gave him the shot put confidence in him before and probably in some case inspired disney to be like oh look like they didn't get any flack like when they mm-hmm. <laughs> hired him right. they got all this praise all right i think it's okay that we bring him back we're not gonna look we're not gonna look bad we're gonna look at the heroes probably yeah um so now that he's doing this movie, I've always I've kind of thought this from the beginning when he was hired to direct it officially, that people are like, oh, it's going to be DC's Guardians, but it's going to be like grittier. It's like I don't think that's like what he's going to do because if you're gone and you're doing this project and then you're jumping straight to Guardians three, like why would you want to do the exact same style movie but with two different universes, two different sets of characters? Right. I think this lends more credence to the idea that like. Suicide Squad is going to be a very different take from James Gunn on the superhero genre than what he's doing with Guardians. Like, the Guardians movies are all about family, but maybe the Suicide Squad is all about isolation and doing whatever it takes to get the job done and just trying to survive no matter what. And, like, giving a different visual approach, different comedic approach, if it it even is comedic to begin with. Like, I'm just interested now to see what James Gunn will do to make them different because i don't think he's going to do all right everything i was going to do for guardians 3 i'm just going to plop it into the suicide squad and that's my movie because a he can't do that now that he's doing both movies but Mm -hmm. also like why do what you've already done like do something different and so if that's the case if that's what he does i'm excited to see his completely different a different side of him right and if this has been going on since september of last year Mm -hmm. then i mean we didn't get suicide gun suicide squad dudes in earnest until when um, October I think he only has been attached to direct it since like earlier this year right but writing but it writing I think came last year some point yeah, yeah late last year and so at that point too he picked up on that project in the end knowing that it would be his next thing mm-hmm. before Guardians and so we were going to get something original no matter what I believe right regardless so but yeah I mean this is very exciting news uh, we have to move on um, and get into another very fascinating story that came from the Hollywood Reporter uh, that Ezra Miller is in danger of potentially being recast as Barry Allen for The Flash over at Warner Brothers and DC um, because apparently he does not see eye to eye with directors John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein. They reportedly have a lighthearted approach to the movie that I completely understand, completely buy, that apparently fits Uh, better with the larger overall vision of the DC universe moving forward. But Ezra Miller does not see that version of the flash as being his version of the flash. So he has worked out a deal with Warner brothers to write his own script, a quote unquote darker version um, of the story with comic book writer, Grant Morrison at, and bring this to WB. A draft could be done as early as next week. And this will ultimately put WB in the position of Reading this draft from Miller, whose deal for The Flash uh, reportedly expires in May, so there's a very uh, there's there's very much a ticking clock on this whole scenario where WB now has to basically decide: Do we keep Ezra Miller on mm-hmm. and a- adapt his darker take somehow, or do we let him go and move ahead with John uh, with Goldstein and Daly's approach? So this is kind of a, a bizarre situation, unprecedented in a lot of instances. I think before we get into everything here, are we even fans of Ezra Miller's version of The Flash? Uh, yes. I, I 
dug it completely in Justice League. Um, I think Ezra Miller is a creative and fun mm-hmm. like guy, and his roles usually kind of like usually ooze some kind of like I mean joy laced with I don't know uh, uh, some kind of wit and yeah with a, with a tinge of like cynicism where mm-hmm. you kind of kind of get him around and get with that. And I was just thinking, like, he's real. I was just thinking the other day how great he was in um, Perks of Being a Wallflower. Yeah. And this is just like, oh no, we're going to lose a good Ezra Miller role. And all we're going to have is whatever Credence is and whatever. Yeah, we're going to have Fantastic Beasts 3, yeah, 4, and 5. Exactly. And so this entire story threw me for a loop that you would even pit your actor and a comic book writer against the direct, your third direct, your third round of directors. Fourth round? Uh, it's, I think it's third officially, but fourth if you include Lord and Miller maybe being in talks when they mm-hmm. pitched the idea right. several years back. So that it is absolutely nuts to even like think about that. Mm-hmm. Where you're like, okay, well, go, go write a script for us then. Like, are you paying them to do that? Are they getting I, work done for that? I, I doubt it. Okay. I feel I feel like to me this feels like a last ditch effort by Ezra Miller to like stay involved mm-hmm. because I think if you watch interviews with him he's obviously very passionate about the character he loves the character of the Flash uh, I did not like totally take to his portrayal in Justice League because it was I, to me I just felt like it was just too comedic too too many one liners not enough actual character development of who this guy actually is um, there's like the one scene of him being like I don't know what to do here like you guys are clearly ready to like punch punch but. I've never done this before. And he's like, just Batman says, just save one person. Mm-hmm. And like, after that, like there's not really any like other character stuff that happens for the flash. He's just like, Oh, I'm going to go talk to the Russians and help them move their car and like right. zip around town, stare at Superman while he's trying to punch me. Um, and so it's, it's a weird position for, for me where I'm like, Ezra Miller, a, he's super talented, but B I'm, I'm not totally like, I'm not going to like totally miss the idea of him being flash. If like he, does move on from the role or not move on, but like WB decides to move on from him, I guess. Mm-hmm. So this is just, this is just a strange situation because like if you're Ezra Miller, like why, like, I don't know why, why are you like putting like this major role at risk? Like, I mean, I understand like when you do a movie that you're like proud of and you are on board with, but like, like why do you think that flash needs like this dark version that like, of a story like he like just we don't even know the guy yet like give us the introduction and why he loves being the flash why he loves you know um solving crimes and all this stuff and mm-hmm. then we can get into like the darker stuff down the road potentially but like right off the bat like what are you thinking right exactly and i, I, I mean but at the same time i get like if he feels that strongly about the character yeah. then sure I mean, like, I, I understand why, and I don't want to see him go, uh-huh. but it's just kind of, I don't know, it's, the entire situation is just really random, and I've, I mean, I don't think I've ever heard of anything like this, where they're just like, okay, well, we have our directors here, they like this take, um, like, do, if they go with his script, do Francis and Daly stay on? I or doubt Goldstein it. And da- sorry, Goldstein and Daly yeah. um, stay on, or do they go find other directors to do his darker film i i can't imagine like they would stay on because like if you're them like you were they were hired for their pitch you've worked on a movie for over for over a year 13 months now yeah like they've been working away at it they've probably and apparently they've been meeting with ezra for months trying to like find a 
reasonable like collaboration that they could mesh the two ideas together to make him happy, but also maintain their vision for the story, for the character, for the future and all that stuff. And instead, like Ezra was just like, no, that's not what I want. And so it makes me kind of wonder, like, is Ezra Miller like the reason for all the delays that this movie has suffered? Like if he has say at this point to be like, no, this is not the story. I'm going to write my own script, challenge the directors. Uh, is he the one who was just like, you know, when Rick Famuyiwa was on board and he's just like, wait, you want me to share screen with Cyborg or something? Like, no, I want, mm-hmm. this is my movie. I'm doing this. I want Flashpoint because I want to do this dark Elseworld story. And they're like, um, uh, oh, okay, Ezra, like, we'll do it. And then like the fallout from just league happened they're like oh you know what like people like didn't take to you completely like it was like more of like kind of a split of like do you like Ezra Miller's Flash or not I mean we're split right now and like I don't know that just makes me think that maybe all of these delays continued to happen because it wasn't just like the cycling change of power at DC Films it was also Ezra Miller wants to do a very specific thing and then he tells the directors this and they're like, well, I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. I have my own take. <laughs> I would be really interested. I mean, the thing is here too, like we don't know what the France, the Goldstein and Daly um, movie is. No, we don't know what his darker take is. Like this could literally, I mean, I don't know, literally, but there's obviously some, a lot of daylight between them for them mm-hmm. to want to be like, I'll go write this thing myself real quick. And so, I mean, like I really like, if you're thinking of Goldstein and Daly, if you're thinking of Game Night, if you're thinking of their work on Homecoming, right, then I could really see like a Spider-Man movie. It's what they churned out, like Back to the Future. Oh no, isn't this kooky? All this stuff happened, right? But instead, he wants something that's a little more. The world is in trouble. Mm-hmm. Oh no, the world's in trouble. Um, like I don't know, Iris is on the verge of dying. Like I need to go back and save my mom. Things like that. Being yeah. killed. Like, there, I mean, there's all these, like there, there's dark elements that the flash can pick up on. But like, again, why start there? Like if you want to get, if you want to tell that story, like tell that story after we've been with Barry Allen for two films, mm-hmm. we understand who he is, what makes him tick, what this dark past of his could be or what the dark future could be. Yeah. It just depends on what the story they're going to tell is. And if he feels like they're going to waste something really valuable, that they really can't retread ever mm-hmm. again. So that's what makes me wonder if Flashpoint's still a thing. I, I feel like that's what Ezra wants, mm-hmm. a, a version of Flashpoint where it's, all right, I'm going to go save my mom, and then, yeah. oh, now I've totally messed up the entire timeline, and Atlant- Atlant- uh, Atlantis is at war with Amazons, and uh, there's all this stuff breaking out. It feels like there's something in these scripts that is the same that just turns and twists different directions. Mm-hmm. And that's the like that's the impasse that they're at. Because yeah, you could always drop it to a sequel and just get paid more money to do your way. So, you know, it I will I am waiting on pins and needles to see how this shakes out. Right. I mean, again, the the draft that he is writing right now could be turned in as early as next week. So I mean, at the very least, we'll know by May what the future holds for Flash. There were recently uh, there were recent reports that the movie could film as soon as November of this year, which, if that's true, I think again puts that ticking clock on uh, double time, where it's like, all right, like it's coming. We have to make this deal. We have to make a decision about Ezra and his script, but we also like have like a production date that we're trying to go for with Daly and Goldstein. But if we choose to go with Ezra's take, then they could leave the project. Then we have to find a new director. 
I jokingly put it on Twitter like that they're going to hire Zack Snyder to do uh, you know Ezra Miller's darker take on the Flash, which was like I would be actually totally on board for a Zack Snyder Flash movie because I think he'd do something really cool visually with the character. Yeah. Um, but like I don't I don't know what the story is at this point, which kind of puts this last question in like it puts us in a difficult position to answer. If we're WB and we are having to choose between Ezra Miller. And likely, I mean, this isn't confirmed that, like, if they do choose his script, that Daly and Goldstein will walk. But I can't see them sticking on to, you know, make a compromise at this point. If you're WB and you have Ezra's script and his take with him still as attached to the star, mm-hmm. but you have to go find a new director, do you choose that? Or do you choose the lighthearted, back to the future esque approach that Daly and Goldstein have and you just recast the character? What do you do? You recast the character. Yep. Yeah. I mean, they're already recasting Batman in a sense with the mm-hmm. young Batman. Henry Cavill's probably going to be recast at some point uh, unless they can work out a deal. They just recast uh, Deadshot with Idris Elba coming on board. So they're clearly not afraid to make a change when needed. And I think at this point, when you ask me what makes me more excited about a Flash movie, Ezra Miller is the star or Daly and Goldstein directing it, it's Daly and Goldstein directing it. So I would side with them, especially because I think if you lose them, then it it just, again, puts that whole thing the whole project in jeopardy of not happening. Yeah. I mean, obviously that comes, but I mean like unless Ezra Miller is going to need to bring a director with him, he's right. going to need to have say, he's like, going to direct it himself. <laughs> right. He's going to have to be like, I've got this guy who will go do it for you. Mm-hmm. Like Denny Villeneuve is going to finish Dune and then do this film or something, you know, something wild that impressive uh-huh. or else I just think they recast it so much easier. Is there anybody that you can think of that to would recast to, to take over the role? Not even, gonna go there just I'll, yet i'll throw out can i throw out some names you're gonna throw out some you're gonna, gonna throw out some names he's why not? still alive why not? though i don't think he is that, honestly that if, is I, if i if i had to put a hundred dollars online i would bet it all that he is out of the role oh all right well let's hear but him then it, i'm not gonna stop you uh i think ansel elgort would be really good for the role you're wincing apparently uh, you don't agree he, he could be good but i wouldn't want him uh thomas mann pricks of the wallflower connection there i think he's got that right uh, awkwardness for Barry Allen, um, but also I can like see him in a full like red suit running around and like making jokes and fitting it with like what Goldstein and Daly are doing. Mm-hmm. Dylan O'Brien have to throw him out there for everything. Uh, I just have to. I think it's in my friends from contract. Uh, Nick Robinson, another kind of guy on the rise that I think could get the job done. And even though I'm not totally on board with it because of the W connections and all this stuff and kind of his lack of having. This major franchise right now, especially one that's in the superhero realm, Daniel Radcliffe. Mm, Daniel Radcliffe's a little old. He's like 28, I think. So yeah, I think they went someone around like the 25. Probably, but I'm just 24. like, I don't know. I could see him being Nick like that, Robinson's that your that best toss out there. I think Thomas Mann's my like choice right now. I don't gotcha. know why, but I'm just like, I just can really see that working up being like this big breakout role for him and give us a return from the sky high days i would take a john boyega i think john boyega would be terrific he's a little bit he's a little bit burly uh-huh. for the role but i think he could like he could streamline himself right. a little bit well and obviously with that you know potential casting it opens up the realm of well are we just totally discounting everything that came before uh yeah is, they would be which is an interesting idea altogether i'm just decanonizing all of snyder's movies from the dceu is an interesting topic uh, of conversation that I know other people have had before. So uh, we will move on from the flash and get into going back to the Marvel universe. Shang-Chi 
according to Deadline, has a director, that being Destin Daniel Cretton, the director of critically acclaimed film Short Term 12. Uh, he also recently did The Glass Castle, uh, both movies starring Brie Larson. That last one came out in 2017. And he also has Just Mercy on his plate once again, starring Brie Larson and Michael B. Jordan. The script for Shang-Chi is written by Dave Callahan. And uh, there's not really much else to go on here. There's no production timeline. There's no release date. There's no notice on when they're going to cast the lead role of Shang-Chi. But Destin Daniel Creighton is an incredibly talented director. Even though I wasn't a huge fan of Glass Castle, Short Term 12 is just an incredible movie that I think I talked about on one of the two episodes last week um, because it has a great cast and it seems like a movie that everybody's going to have an Oscar in a couple years. Um, but uh, I'm just still really excited for Creighton to get this role, have him join the MCU. He's the one of those other indie directors who are not totally plucked from total obscurity, mm-hmm. but like he's like, oh, that guy, that movie. Oh, okay. And now he's going to bring his ability to bring characters and uh, story and really explore the intricacies of relationships and bring that to the screen with Shang-Chi. Um, and I hope uh, also give him a chance to show a different side of his direct, uh, directing skills because obviously Shang-Chi would be a very martial, heart, martial arts heavy film um, because he is the master of Kung Fu. And I want to see what he can do with action because he hasn't really tackled that genre before. So uh, either way, Dinner Creighton, incredibly talented guy. I can't, uh, I'm super excited that he's on board now. I can't say I know I have not seen any of these films, but um, I have bulleted them down and I'm <laughs> going to get on it right away. But we are like literally this close from like the next phase of MCU films being filled out, like being staffed up and ready to, you know, lock and load and roll. Mm-hmm. We're just like one new property, I think, away probably. Right. We need, we have, well, the Eternals have a director. We've got, got Widow has a director. Both of those coming out next year. Both of those coming out next year. We've got Shang-Chi with now with a director. Mm-hmm. Guardians of the Galaxy has restaffed its, its director. It's back, even though that one's still probably going to take, it's going to take some time because mm-hmm. of Suicide Squad 2. Doctor Strange 2 has a director, writer, and something else. And several stars that are going there to be returning. Uh, uh, Black Panther 2 mm-hmm. also happening. And then Captain Marvel 2 is basically a lock at this point. The movie is going to be at $750 million worldwide by the end of this weekend. Billion and then, by the end of the year. Oh, yeah. And then there's going to be a third Spider-Man movie mm-hmm. probably in the next couple years as well. So you would throw in, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think of just a, a property that could happen, like a, a Dark Avengers movie or something. Like, I don't know, some some weird new property that comes out of uh, you know Marvel's stack of scripts that they have at their place. And uh, that's, that's the Phase 4 lineup. Snap. And of that, we have two Asian directors, two female directors. Um, I mean, the, the, they're obviously expanding the diversity that um, many people are calling for at this point. So that, that's great to see. It's fantastic. Yeah. And like the more I look at the Shang-Chi character, the more epic he looks. He basically looks like Nightwing, mm-hmm. but way cooler. <laughs> and I'm all about that. Again, you probably haven't thought about this, but casting decisions. Now that we have a script in place by Callahan, Cretton's on board to direct. Have you have you had any thoughts about who could play the lead role? All right. Well, you're going to get mad at me if I say Henry Golding because I feel like Henry Golding would be he, he's he's almost too handsome for the role, but 
I would toss him out there. Steven Yun would be my first choice just yes. because his name has been circulating around the MCU forever, and I think he got did dirty by The Walking Dead. <laughs> and like the guy needs to be in something that gives him like he's I mean The Walking Dead probably paid him well, right. but he needs something more high profile than mm-hmm. that. And I feel like the jump between the two would be perfect. Yeah, I'd love to see him get that. Those are some of like the bigger names that are out there, and then obviously Marvel's going to cast a very wide net for this role, I believe. So they could very well just pluck somebody that we've never heard of and make them a brand new star. So uh, we'll move on from Chang Chi uh, now that that, mo- that film is moving forward and into Ticket or Skip It. There are four trailers that are vying for our ticket this week. The first trailer we got was for the first trailer of Good Boys. We also got the first trailer of Booksmart, the second trailer for Aladdin, and the second trailer for Avengers Endgame. Josh, which one is getting your ticket this week? I'm giving it out to Booksmart um, because it looks hilarious. It Mm -hmm. looks heartwarming. It looks like like Lady Bird, but a little less reverential and sentimental and just outright hilarious Mm -hmm. in all of those ways. Um, And I think Caitlin Derver, Dever, is looking to be hilarious. And so I'm totally here for this. Um, and then like, it's a teen comedy and mm-hmm. I'm all about those, especially like when the red band and like give, like do not care at all about yeah. all of these things. And yeah, this just looks right up my alley in so many ways. And like, yeah, I could, I mean, listen, the, the Avengers thing is great. Um, but this just gets it. And then also it's Olivia Wilde's directorial debut mm-hmm. and I'm not going to miss it. And I'm going to give it a ticket. Um, Jason Sudeikis, Will Forte is in there as mm-hmm. well. Um, Billy, it's a Billy Lord role, who oh. I'm hoping like eventually takes off. Oh, um, she's in that movie. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot to love about it, and I can't wait to like. It's getting good reviews already, I guess. Yeah. Out of Sundance. Out of South by Southwest. South by Southwest. Thank you. So yeah, I'm one thousand percent here for it. Yeah, I mean the obvious choice for me is Avengers Endgame. Give my ticket to. I've already given it like two tickets mm-hmm. though, so I'm going to. Uh, momentarily give my enthusiastic take about the trailer, but I'm okay. not going to give it a ticket this yes, week because I've already sp- I've already spoiled it with so many tickets in the past. So I need to spread the, I need to spread the wealth uh, and spread my tickets around. But I love the start of the trailer with the retrospective look and Tony's voiceover being like, "Oh, it's been you mm-hmm. know, ten years since I or it feels like a thousand years ago, a hundred years ago, whatever he says since I got out of that cave and fell in love with you." Love it. Love the connection between him and Pepper. Uh, I also really like the. Uh, interaction that's happening between black widow and hawkeye there's a, there's a closeness there that i feel like they've kind of been lost in the last couple movies but like in this one i don't think it's to- i don't think it's going to go romantic because i feel like that'd just be weird um yeah but i just like that they're there for each other like mm-hmm. in the hardships and all this hard time um but i also think there's a lot of interesting stuff about the trailer that there appears to possibly be the destruction of avengers hq we get to see the white suits uh which are really cool and i think look pretty good in live action and there's been no shots of thanos uh no shots of hulk there's so much we don't know about this movie still and i just totally fascinated by how little marvel has shown us and we're probably not going to get much else i mean we may get another 30 second a minute trailer to announce tickets are on sale in a couple weeks or something but other than that i got like i feel like we've got most of what we know for Avengers Endgame, and I still feel like I don't know <laughs> where this movie's going totally. So it's really exciting. But since I've already given it several tickets, I mm-hmm. will also give my ticket to Booksmart okay. because I think that trailer just is super charming, super funny. Uh, you were watching it before we started recording, and I wasn't even watching it. I was just listening to 
everything that was happening, the music choices, the dialogue, the, the, the banter back and forth between the two lead girls. And I was still just laughing because it, it's, it's just funny. The reactions, I haven't really got in depth on them, but everything that I have heard and briefly seen is just, you know, this movie is incredible. It's a fantastic debut for uh, Olivia Wilde as a director. And, um, yeah, Caitlin Dever and uh, who's the other lead girl here? Oh, Beanie uh, Feldstein, sorry. Yes, Beanie Feldstein. Of course. Uh, She's being for, way more hilarious than right. Caitlin, but they look great together. <laughs> yes, yeah. I mean, obviously b- with Beanie in there, I was just like, oh, it's like a, a more raunchy version mm-hmm. of Lady Bird. <laughs> um, but there's also, they're kind of pushing as the female version of Superbad, which I can I can see the, the similarities there. And I didn't even know that she was Jonah Hill's sister until this past week, which is just kind of blew my mind. Um, but like, I just super on board for this movie. It's got a great cast. The the comedy looks off the charts. And again, from all of the early reactions, it looks like that is the case through the entire movie. Um, and yeah, I can't, I cannot wait to see this movie now. So it has a May 24th release date right now. I hope that is the case. And that's not like a, a sleeper kind of hit of the summer. Yeah, I think so too. But it should, yeah, my, my fear is that it's like, I don't know if it's setting and, tonal and it's gonna be like oh no just cities east coast west coast houston things like that and i would be really disappointed if i can't see this in the theaters do you know you may not if it has a distributor i no i don't actually annapurna oh so that's a they they go wide yeah they go wide so we should be able to get it cool it actually it'll go toe to toe with aladdin i believe perfect so uh we may not have the chance to review it on the pod because Aladdin's Aladdin's the bigger mm-hmm. movie. And I think the second this new trailer is actually decent. Like the a whole new world segment, it's just like, whoa. Incredible. It's been refined and I can totally see why trailers have taken so long is because they're yeah. relying intensely on computer effects and mm-hmm. CG all the way through. So Yeah, and there's a giant Iago finding out in the background. And moving on to the flyby, we now know who voices Iago. Uh, As THR reported, that uh, Disney veteran and voice chameleon Alan Tudyk has uh, secretly signed on to voice the role. Is he going to voice the role or is he going to be like just like making bird noises and then that's his... Huh? That's his move on it. I guess that, I guess that's possible. I mean, he voiced a, a chicken in Moana, so right. he has the bird chops to do this. But I, I feel like they're they're going. It looks like semi faithful to the original Aladdin movie, mm-hmm. and I, I don't see them totally taking out Jafar's wisecracking, you know, side character. Because if anything, Jafar kind of looks like the weakest part of the movie potentially. So. I think Alan Tudyk joining in here and giving us a, a sense of comedy is going to be much needed. Yeah, we will see there. Um, and then the hashtag show report this week that Army Hammer and Alexander Skarsgård are the two top choices to play the actual Invisible Man in the Blumhouse movie that is directed by Leigh Whannell and recently was reported to be courting Elizabeth Moss to star. So it looks like Elizabeth Moss will, will not be the actual invisible person. She'll be the, the main human lead and then either Skarsgård or Hammer will be the actual invisible person in the movie. Which one would you rather not have to see a lot in this movie? <laughs> Oh, which one are they rather not? Yeah, because you're not going to see them. They're invisible. Oh, okay. I thought you were saying like, okay, I would rather not see Skarsgård yeah. more than Hammer. I feel I feel like Skarsgård's the... He just... He, he fits that the idea I have of Invisible Man. He's not seen any his, Invisible movies his, in my life. Yes, his face looks perpetually grief-stricken, no matter <laughs> what. And I can't... And like, so, I mean, you're not going to see them. But if it's going to be... A voice, I think, scars guards would be best. And he's also he's got more more of a defined jawline and everything. Where I just feel like that would be more interesting than just like 
I don't know. I feel like I won't be able to tell that it's hammer <laughs> wrapped up. Shape. Yeah, right. But like if it's Skarsgård, I feel like I'll know. Oh, yes, that is legitimately Skarsgård wrapped in bandages. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah. And and he like he needs that kind of new big role. Like even though this would not be a huge role, like right. <laughs> it's it's better than Johnny Depp, that, that, that that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um and then to end this episode, the uh, Variety Report this week that Tom Holland has reteamed up with the Russo brothers to star in the movie Cherry, which is from their Agbo production house, uh, which will also be their first directorial effort after Avengers Endgame and the first directorial movie they've done outside the MCU. Uh, the film is based on the true life story of Nico Walker, a former medic who becomes addicted to opioids after returning from Iraq with undiagnosed PTSD and begins robbing banks. So this is, I think, a fascinating role and a fascinating turn for the Russos and Tom Holland. Uh, hopefully, I think it's not going to be the lighthearted, family-friendly approach that they've done with their Marvel movies. And to see them take a, a grounded, street-level approach to bank robbings, drug use, PTSD, and do all this through the the eyes of Tom Holland, uh, sign me up. That sounds that sounds really cool. Yeah, uh, totally. I gotta wonder though, is it gonna be he's not the guy, is he? He is, I think. He's gonna be acting way above his typical age range. So that's gonna be strange to watch this guy be Peter Parker, who's <laughs> seventeen, and then like jump forward to his real age, which is now twenty three, twenty four. Uh, Tom Holland? Yeah, 23. I think 22. I, I want to say 22. Yeah. And so it that, is 22, but on June 1st, he'll be 23. That'll be really strange. <laughs> but, yeah, give me. I'm here for it. I'm here for the Russo Brothers next take. So, Nico Walker is currently 34. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out when he, like, when all this started start happening. I don't want to, like, it's a true life story, but I still want to tell how it ends. <laughs> I mean, it, you, you kind of pretty much guess it ends with him going to jail. Um, but then he's currently in there. So he'll actually be released uh, when the movie is around the same time. The movie is, is expected to be released. Mm-hmm. Um, so he served in 2005, 2006 in the army and uh, started Rob makes in 2010, 2012 was when he was sentenced. Um, so, that would have been that's seven years ago, so he would have been twenty twenty seven when he got arrested, and so like twenty three to twenty seven's brother Adrian. So I think I mean Holland's basically right there. So I just think that's a really fascinating turn for him to take after you know being hey I'm friendly neighborhood Spider Man. We're gonna see him with a, we're gonna see him with a beard for like the first time ever, <laughs> and that'll be insanely wild. Yeah, um, but it has the potential to be a movie of this exact moment in time, and I. I really can't wait for that. Yeah, sounds really exciting. Uh, that's all we have for this episode. Next week, we'll be back with a review of one of our most anticipated movies of the entire year. No, it's not Avengers Endgame yet. Uh, that is still six weeks away at this point. It is Us, the second movie from Jordan Peele, his follow-up to Get Out, the Oscar-winning movie of 2017. And the reactions to this one have been very positive. Mm-hmm. It seems like it's a different turn for him in some cases, where it's a little more horror approach, which... Uh, I'm very interested to see what this plays out. Apparently, the trailers give you an idea of what this movie is, but they also don't give you any idea of what it, how what transpires. So, I'm just truly fascinated to see what is going to actually happen in this movie and yeah. see what Peel does next. I've heard it goes full psychedelic on you in some ways, and so that's why. Yeah, like like this feels like a primer for how weird and messed up Twilight Zone will be later right. this year. So, I yeah, I cannot wait to see this. 
Yeah, and then we'll also be back this week with another big question. Uh, this week, doing something a little different than we've done in the past. And since it is March Madness season, we are going to take a look at one of Film Twitter's many brackets that they've put online, pitting movies against movies, or directors against directors, or actors against actors. Um, and you'll have to tune in to figure out which one it is. I think we're going to do the io9 best sci-fi fantasy films of the 2010s, uh, which should be for an interesting discussion to go all the way through that bracket here. Uh, be sure to tell us your thoughts on everything covered here. And then when you get to the big question on our decisions, who you would choose as well, you can do so by tweeting us at Film and Film, and you can follow me personally on Twitter at MovieCooper. And you can get at me, Josh, at just Joshua Ryan. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share, retweet, and more. Plus, head over to iTunes and give us a five-star review with comments. Tell us why you enjoyed listening to the show. Thanks again for tuning in to Defense One Podcast. Josh, thank you for stopping in, everyone. Be sure to turn next week for our future episodes.